Welcome into Small Talk. Joe Smallman, Steve Cerruti here with you. And yes, that is the funeral march because you are listening to me talk about a death. Not a physical death, but the death of a fandom. That's right. This is your Small Talk Coachella breakdown. And Steve, thank you for being here to emotionally help me through this. You're welcome. I saw this slowly playing out over the course of what the weekend couple days and I was like you know I gotta leave Michelle alone because I didn't know exactly what happened but I knew it wasn't good and I knew how much you love Frank Ocean and everyone's just talking shit about him on Twitter and how terrible the performance was I wanted an update from you I was like like fill me in it's a guy who's like a noob and doesn't know what the hell is going on tell me but I was like I think I need to give Michelle some time so hopefully that was good you got to sort of self-soothe a little bit and now we can sort of talk it out It's been one week and one day. It is now Monday, the 24th. I have been back for about a week and I've processed a lot of emotions. We've gone through some stuff over here. I'm not going to lie. And I'm still hurt. I'm still upset. So basically, Steve, I'll just give you the rundown of what happened and feel free to interject at any time and ask questions. And thank you, by the way, for giving me my space. I did post on Instagram. I would not be taking any questions at this time. And I needed some space. I really did because I was sad and I was mad. And that is a wicked bad combo for your girl. So Let's roll the clocks back, shall we, to last weekend, Indio, California, Coachella weekend one. Now, let it be known, I am not a Coachella girly. I am not a festival girly. I Yes, I've been to Lollapalooza. Yes, I love a concert, but I have never wanted to go to Coachella, but I have wanted to see Frank Ocean sing live. He hasn't sang live in like six, seven years, since 2017, I believe. And this was a rarity. He had not dropped new music. So not only did I think I would see the return to the stage for Frank Ocean, but I thought there is no doubt that he's going to drop new music and these ears are going to hear it for the first time. And I was willing to spend the money for that. Right. So I had really freaked out when I saw he was the headliner. And thankfully some of my friends here in New York, some of my new friends, a handful of them have gone for like six years in a row. They are festival girlies and guys, they love Coachella and they know how to do it right. So 17 of them rented a house And they have the whole thing down pat. They know exactly how to get there. They were like, you should come with us. I'm like, done. Okay, great. So we arrived there and we're all hanging out and we're going over the list of acts. We're kind of putting together our schedule. And I was like, the only reason I'm here is for Frank. I will go along with what everybody else wants to go along with. But Sunday is my day. Okay. Nobody else was really that into him, by the way. Everybody else was just there for the vibes and the other tunes. I was the Frank Ocean driver of the group. On Sunday, Steve, I woke up, I sauntered into the kitchen and I said, happy Frank Ocean day to all that observe. What a schmuck I am, right? So I get dressed on Sunday. It's a Christmas morning. I'm like, I can't believe I'm like a few hours that this is going to go down. This is going to be amazing. So let me set the scene. We get there at like maybe four o'clock and every other day, the entire group had stuck together. We had bopped around from place to place, artist to artist. And we had VIP wristbands, which if you're going to go to Coachella, it is more expensive. I think it's the way to do it because you have your own area away from the crowd. And more importantly, your own bathrooms, which for me is a necessity. It's clutch. So I wanted to see a band called Cannons and my friends did not want to see them. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Cannon solo. And then I'm just going to head to the main stage and wait for Frank. Bjork was playing at the main stage before Frank. And one of my good friends who's in a band, shout out to Bon, was like, if you can see Bjork, see her. She is an artist. So I was like, I'll catch Bjork. 
So I leave the crew. My phone is nearly dead. And I'm like, I have to conserve battery to record Frank. So I, and I didn't have a portable charger. Rookie mistake. Talk about being a noob. So I turn off my phone. I head to the main stage. I watch Bjork. Side note, Bjork, unreal. Full orchestra on stage, the costume. I felt like I was at the opera. I mean, wow. The vocals, A plus for Bjork. So I'm sitting there and because I went to Bjork early, I'm on the barricade. I am right up there. I'm like, wow, I am row one on the barricade for Frank. This is exactly what I dreamed of. So I'm standing there and I start talking to the people that I'm with, I'm next to, and it's a guy and a girl. And it turns out the girl, Steve, did the wardrobe for Frank Ocean for this. They also had VIP wristbands, but they love Frank. And so they wanted to be there. So she's telling me all this stuff about the performance, like deets I shouldn't know. She's like, there is an ice skating rink and he has a hired a college hockey team and over a hundred people have been training for weeks and they're going to do this big ice skating rink. And he's wearing Prada because he wore Prada to the Met Gala. And she's telling me all of these details. And I'm like, this is going to blow my freaking mind. Like, I cannot wait for this. So he's supposed to go on at 10.05. Anticipation is building. 10.05 comes around. Now, Frank, we look up on the stage and they're constructing something. And for those who know Frank, back in the day, he did a live stream called Endless, where he was basically building a set. So we thought, oh, maybe it's like an homage to Endless. 10.30 rolls around. No, Frank. Mm. 11 rolls around. No, Frank Ocean. Your girl has now been waiting for him for three hours because I was there for Bjork. Haven't seen my friends in VIP. Haven't had a drink of water. Haven't used the bathroom. And my phone's about to die. Wait, you were solo? You were I was solo. solo. I was wow, solo okay. cruising. Yeah, all my friends went to see somebody else. I forget, some DJ that they said was killer. <laughs> yeah, I turn on my phone and they're like, man, you missed out. Killer. I was like, cool, cool. Rub it in. So this girl starts getting texts from people and she's like, uh-oh apparently Frank changed everything last minute. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. We know he's a little mercurial. You know what I mean? He can change his mind on a dime. He's a creative. This happens. Mm. So he finally, Steve, about an hour later comes out and I'm like, here we go. Oh my God. I will forgive you for being an hour late. So he does the first song and it's kind of like a, a remix. Not what I was expecting, but okay, whatever good i'm into it then popular song though remix of a like a popular song yeah, or, yeah. Okay. we all knew we all knew it. it was novocaine if okay. you know it and and i, know and I, I didn't expect him to open with novocaine but there's a line in there where he says met her at coachella and i was like oh duh he's at coachella great he does this speech about his brother his brother unfortunately passed away about a year ago in a car accident and, St and frank was really close to his brother so it's obviously very tragic and he's like, you know, my brother and I used to come to Coachella and this is so meaningful for me that I get to headline. Like, I know he would think it's so cool. So I'm thinking, oh my God, how emotional he's going to release new music. This is all coming together. What a moment for him. I think this is about to be the performance of a lifetime in honor of his brother who tragically passed. No. After that, Steve, he does what can only be described as a DJ set, if you want to call it that. And it's not songs that we know that are remixed into other songs. It's just a chaotic stream of beats and sounds. So as this is going on, I'm like, well, 
I'm going to go kick it with my friends. Like I need a water. So I leave the crowd. And as I'm leaving, I look around and I see a lot of other people are leaving too. And I'm like, Hmm. Okay. So I go to VIP. I find my friends and they're like, this is Frank Ocean. Very accusatory. I'm like, no, 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 no. He does this thing on Apple music called Homer radio, where it's kind of a stream of consciousness. This is going to be just like a part of it. Just hang on. I look up on the stage. Frank's not even on stage, Steve. It's his security guard with a camera on him. And the security guard is violently twerking. Okay. <laughs> and like, shout out to the security guard because he killed it. Like he really gave it his all. And that I appreciate. Try harder than Frank did. So shout out to him. Yeah. Yes. So I'm like, what? So all my friends start leaving. They're like, I don't know what you tried to sell us this bill of goods, but forget this guy. We're going to the Yuma tent. I was like, okay. You guys are about to miss out because he's coming out and he's going to sing some great songs. He did not. This is where the narrator comes in. He did not sing great songs. <laughs> I think he gave three total. He did, to his credit, give a beautiful rendition of self-control, which is my personal favorite Frank song. But Steve, in between every song was like five minutes of silence. So it was very disjointed. It was erratic. And then he starts playing his hits and we're like, yes, the hits. We came here for a new music. We came here for the hits. He wasn't singing the hits, Steve. He put the microphone on the stage. Yes, I'm banging the table. He put the microphone on the stage and was just lip syncing into the camera for a good 30 minutes. This man showed up on the stage wearing house slippers. And that was my, that should have been my first indication that he did not give a shit. And apparently from our inside sources, about an hour before the show, he freaked out. He was like, I don't want any of this. I don't want the ice skating rink. You need to build me a new set. No live stream. And the Coachella organizers were like, what? We built this whole ice rink. So the reason it was delayed is they had to melt the ice rink, build him a new set. They cut the live stream, which pissed off a ton of people. And then he gave them nothing. It was Probably the worst show I've ever been to. Then at the end, Steve, he comes on after he just lip synced to the crowd for four or five songs. It's really quiet. What were people doing? Like, were they in the songs? Were people booing? Were they? They were leaving. It was a mass exodus. People. So he knew. So he knows he's bombing. No, that's the thing. Is he's like in the camera like this? No. This was the witness of like a mental breakdown or if he just had extreme stage fright and didn't know what to do. I don't know if talking about his brother was triggering. I don't know where his head was at mentally, but I do know that he did not care about the fans and he did not care about what was happening. People left in droves. Some people were booing. There was a lot of WTFs being thrown in the air. And then above all, I think the biggest thing for me, Steve, was the silence because at people were just dumbfounded that this was the main headliner at Coachella and he did this. And finally he gets pulled back. We see him talking to somebody and he comes on stage, he picks up the mic and he's like, Hey guys, I'm uh, being told that it's curfew. So that's it. That's the show. Thanks for coming. Mike Drop walks off the stage. There was no finale. He didn't bring out any guests. It was a flop. It was awful. And I just think that it was so disrespectful, not only to the people who paid you a reported $4 million to show up and perform, 
to the people that you had on stage. Like I, I think about those skaters, right. Who trained for however many weeks in order to be able to be a part of this. And then at the last minute, he pulls the plug to the people like me who paid thousands of dollars to show up, to see this person. Sing. It was just one of the most disrespectful things I've seen in a long time. And it felt like a personal attack. I feel betrayed. I'm sorry that it happened that way. Cause as soon as I saw the news come out about it, I was like, this is, I knew you were going. I didn't know that you were going for Frank though. I thought you were just going. No. Um, and then when I saw that he had completely bombed, it like clicked in my head and I was like, oh shit, this, this is why she went. And it's historically one of the worst performances of all time. <laughs> um, so I immediately obviously felt shitty for you because I know like, <laughs> how much it meant to you. And that's why I kind of left you alone. I'm a big leave it alone kind of person. Like I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a check-in guy, although you did. So Matt, I think Maddie pride, right? So she, yeah. We, we did get a voice note from you that did that did sort of clarify some of the things that were going on but I mostly left you alone because I knew how much this was probably going to hurt you and it's just it's just one of those things where it's like you know you don't really actually want to meet your heroes you know kind of deal where maybe Frank's a great dude maybe it's a one-off or whatever but most of the time they're probably not going to live up to your expectations and that's I think you hit the nail on the head and that's the shitty part is that if you try and you fail that's okay I could live with you taking a risk or at least given a hundred percent and it just didn't work out the way everybody thought it was going to do, but like, all right, you know, the thought was there. It just seems like according to you and like everyone and everything that I've read that I don't know if he didn't want to be there or he just clearly didn't give a shit about anything that was going on. And that's really the sad part about it. I wonder like the lasting impact, are you kind of to the point where you're not going to listen to his music anymore? Or are you just like, are, is how bad is it for you? Because I know yeah. how much you like, I mean, he, I know he was like your go-to guy. Like he's artistically like your favorite person that there is. And you said that who, I mean, who's that version for me? Like, I don't know. Like I have a million different bands, but like, you know, jokingly just to keep it on par, if it was like John Mayer or Third Eye Blind, they completely like disrespected the audience and just didn't even try. That would kind of fuck me up. And I don't know that I would, I don't know that I'd go back to their music at least for a little while. Yeah. It's really difficult because he was supposed to headline in 2020. So technically he had three years to prepare for this. What's been the reason that he's been off? So in 2020, everything got shifted because of the pandemic. But he hasn't made any music. He hasn't done anything, right? He's been completely like off the grid since for a few years, right? Obviously, that's his demo. Apparently there is an album. He He did reference that. He's like... I know a lot of people are are wanting to hear the new album. And then people were like, oh my God. And he's like, you're not going to hear it tonight, basically. Oh, he's wow. like, but that's not saying there's not an album. And we were like, oh my God. But the thing with him is he is constantly trying to evolve. And he he really has his very unique and pointed perspective. And that's why people love him. And when he sang Self-Control, it was not the album version it was not what you expected, but it was beautiful. And I think that's what everyone was expecting. If you don't like to perform, I get that. Then don't take $4 million from Coachella and tell people that you're going to perform. Mm -hmm. Everybody showed up expecting to sing their hearts out and hear one of the best vocalists I've ever heard sing. The reason we love him is because lyrically, from a voice standpoint, he taps into your soul and your emotions. And that's what we wanted. An emotional dump, yeah. for a lack of a better word. We just wanted to leave it all out in the desert. And he didn't give us anything. So has he said, has he released a statement after? Or has, has there been an, like an explanation as to why it was such a disaster? Can I read it to you? 
Yeah. So by your tone and, and your face, I can tell it's it's not satisfactory, but okay. It is not. Let me find this. Okay. Well, let me, I know it cost Coachella millions. So allegedly he suffered an ankle injury biking, Steve, which was his excuse for not being there. Let's see if I can find the exact quote here. And by the way, he sat on a stool and sang. I was going to say, you could just sit in a chair and people, and if you just sang your songs, Correct. people would love it. That would, Correct. That's, uh, that's kind of. They spent millions on his ice rink that they're out, by the way. And he was a little bit late. So they have millions because of curfew. But let me see where what, he like is. a fine or something? Because yeah, they, the yeah. fines. I will find it. I should have had it ready. That's my bad. I'm like the Frank Ocean of podcasting right now. I should have had that. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, it's, I'm, I just, I'm just curious because obviously, you know, you'd want to hear, like maybe there was a legitimate excuse, but like to your point, it doesn't really, or at least to your reaction to my question about it, it doesn't sound like there was. Man, that just... It's an incredible moment. He basically said, I hurt my ankle. And per doctor's orders, I am not going to so do So what's it. Frank's deal? This doesn't seem super off-brand though. Like he kind of seems... I don't know him at all. I know a couple of his songs. I know how much you like him. But like usually when you start doing, oh, he's an artist and he, oh, he's just totally different. He, does, he likes to, what, what was the way that you said it? Like he, he likes to constantly evolve. Usually that guy's an asshole. Like I, I, hate, I hate to say it. It is what it is. That those people are kind of not well adjusted and they typically do dumb shit and shitty yeah. things sometimes. But that's kind of what makes them a really good creative. Totally. Uh, it is what it is. But it doesn't mean that you get excused from not giving a shit and shitting over your fans. And I don't know if any of this is true, but there was all of these reports coming out, uh, you know, from other people, him being spotted at the merch tent of being a dick to everybody, you know, just stuff like that. And I don't, I understand, I can never understand what it would be like to be that famous and have everybody want a piece of you all the time. But again, if you're getting paid to headline Coachella, there are certain there are certain obligations that you There's must like a, fulfill. There's like a bar that you have to at least hit. <laughs> like, which don't is, be a dick. Sing like five good songs that people like. You know, you don't need an ice skating rink. Just sing this, sing the music. You know, I, I'm not, you know, we'll talk about it. I'm going to the Taylor Swift uh, concert in like a month or so. And, you know, it's going to be a spectacle. It's whatever. I'm not the biggest Swifty. I do like Taylor Swift, as we've discussed on this podcast. Um but I want to just hear her sing songs that I like, you know, at the bare minimum, I just want to hear, I just want to sing along a little bit, have a good time, get a couple of Coronas in me, you know, it's going to be fun. Everyone's having a good time. It's cool. If you have fireworks, it's cool. If you have all these crazy dancers and pyrotechnics and everyone's wearing colored bracelets and things are lighting up and it's fucking Disney world out there. That's, that's cool. But I don't need that. I don't, what I want, I came because I like you as the artist. I want to hear your songs. I want to see, hear you sing live. As you said, he has an incredible voice and he's very unique and you just want to hear him. You, he could have sat in a stool and literally acapella and just sang songs almost. And I feel like you yes. would be happy. The bare minimum for him to actually have success isn't even that high. And he somehow drastically underachieved it. It's, it's sad, man. I, I mean, obviously like it goes without saying, but I'll say it like, as you said, there could be some, I don't know if there's any sort of disorder things going on or he's having a hard time in his life. And obviously you mentioned his brother and obviously that's terrible and it is what it is. And maybe that is an excuse. It doesn't seem like he's used that as an excuse. Yeah, but to say like, oh, I hurt my ankle. You're just doubling down on being an asshole, man. Well, and to your point, when he sang, he did, I mentioned Novocaine, he did Crack Rock, he did Bad Religion, he did Self-Control, he did, um, I didn't keep a tally, and there was no live stream. I'm going to say four to six songs, maybe, not in their entirety. But when he did it, Steve, the vocals were um, musically, he was there. So if you hurt your ankle and you can't ice skate 
why don't you just have the other people ice skate around Doesn't you? Matter. Why don't you just yeah. pull up a stool and sing the damn songs? I yeah. it just, I was not obsessed with him, but I was a huge fan. Like his music is so meaningful yeah, to no, me. And I feel personally attacked. I feel betrayed. I am pissed. He has made an enemy out of me, Steve. Oh, no. <laughs> it's sad. Like, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad for everyone. I'm sad for you. I'm sad for him in a lot of ways, because obviously he's going to get a ton of shit. And I'm sure he didn't want it to go down this way, but it is what it is. You know, obviously there's like, what, dozens and dozens of good acts at Coachella, right? And this is all anyone's going to really remember of this Coachella is how bad Frank was, right? Which is also sad, too, in its own right. So... Yeah, there are really just no winners here. I mean, that's the interesting thing, too, is for Coachella as the music festival, as you said, they spend a ton of money. Obviously, you, the patrons spend a ton of money to be there. It's kind of an awkward situation to be like, what happens now? Like, do we go after him for the checks? Do we reimburse people? Like, they're not going to, but I'm just saying, like, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of talk about that stuff because when you spend that kind of money and you invest that kind of time and energy and monetary value, like, it's you expect, again, a bare minimum of something as the headliner. And, uh, Obviously, he was supposed to headline weekend too, right? And didn't. So, didn't. yeah. Do you know if that was a thing where he pulled out or they said, hey, dude, we're not, we're not taking this chance again? So I think they reported that he pulled out. After that, I'm not kidding. If I was Coachella, I would have been like, you're done. And I appreciate an artist not wanting, listen, Coachella, these stages, Steve, were massive. Like this is a massive undertaking. And a lot, like when we saw Blackpink the night before, it was very regimented to the second, you know, because they have this big show that they have to execute. So I, I did appreciate him having more of an intimate fluid vibe. Like that is a risk in itself. But if you're going to do that, you have to sing. You can't lip sync for your fans. You know what I mean? And if I was Coachella yeah, like after not, that, you're not, you're not Ashley Simpson on SNL. Like, you got, like you, that's what it felt like. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you gotta use the mic. All we were missing is the cowboy jig off stage, honestly. Yeah. And if I'm Coachella and I'm like an hour before you have us deconstruct the million dollar ice rink and scrap all the plans and sc scrap the live stream for this, I would be like, you can go F yourself. I would have been furious if i was the coachella orchestrator or whatever you call it, like the person in charge of these acts so as far as disappointing non-personal michelle moments in your life rams leaving and then Ooh. and then frank ocean too is that what is that one too Ooh, that's do i okay rams leaving will always be number one because that was just such incredible bullshit that was just lying and corruption and douchebaggery yeah. douche on epic level and this felt more like a person who was a little bit lost and yeah. while he was definitely being difficult and was not living up to what the obligations slash expectations were it didn't feel as intentionally hurtful as the rams i think that's fair and that's why i'm, I'm trying to tiptoe around this because again like you just don't know you just don't know what's happening in someone's life so like it's like obviously it's shitty but like you know i'm not there's really nothing i don't want to say that there's nothing that would like absolve him from the shitty show but like all right yeah we like it is understandable to be like all right shit happens in life and maybe you're going through some stuff and i don't want to be too harsh on you but damn man you could have dropped out and just said hey give everybody their money back and it would have been much a much better situation than just kind of sticking it out and half-assing it and disappointing you. what we need to do is we need to you need to go to another thing though now and get this bad taste out of your mouth. Like you need to go to a Taylor Swift. Like you should come to the I Taylor know. Swift concert with me. And where and is it? it? It's in it's at Gillette in Boston. 
well, in, in Foxborough, but you know, maybe I will. Honestly, Steve, the vibes are not right. Internally, I'm a big mess. I need some sort of an aura. You need to get off. Yeah, you need something else to grab onto that's positive, right? You need, you know, I don't know if that's it's probably not 100 percent Cardinals baseball right now. You need something else to like love a little bit and feel that, you know, feel the camaraderie from something that you actually care about. But you know, you hit the nail on the head there. And I think that this is why it hurts so badly. Well, first of all, just because I paid a lot of money to see it and it was not what I expected that hurt. It hurt the wallet. Okay. First and foremost, it hurt the wallet. Number two, working in sports. I don't know about you. I'm not a fan anymore. I cheer for, for people. I cheer for my city. No disrespect. If the Cardinals lose, I'm not losing a minute of sleep. You know what I mean? I don't have an emotional attachment to anything anymore. And the Rams leaving and and realizing firsthand the business of sports, that combined with our jobs, it's really dulled it for me, you know? And there's a reason why people make sports a billion-dollar business. It's because it's fun to be part of something that's bigger than you. It's fun to love something. It's fun to pour into something with other people. And that's kind of what this was for me. It was something that I connected with that I loved. And once again, I am let down. So I just need, we need to get the vibes right. We need to find something else for me to love because right now your girl has been bummed out. I've been bummed out for a good seven days. The good news is St. Louis uh, City FC, SC, I should say, or FC, SC, 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 soccer club. We're in America. That's right. That's why I like that. They are still in first place. So shout out to them. But I'm sure that's not filling the hole in your heart. (laughs) Right? It's not quite the same level of attachment year one for the soccer team. But something you need something else. You need something else to grab onto. I'm not not exactly sure what it is yet. But maybe it's a Taylor Swift concert because you're now like a full blown Swifty, as we'll find out in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Well. We need to talk to a Swifty. That's what we need to do. And I know the perfect one. Well, now that I've given you the entirety of the Frank saga, it's time to bring in our friend, Mike Gullick Jr., who joins us now on Small Talk. And you're going to understand why in a second. Mike, first of all, we know you're a busy guy, live from California, fresh off of a Vegas weekend. You know this was important to us, so we really appreciate you giving us the time. Listen, when small talk calls, I come running. I've still got my Shelly shirt in the closet here. It made the move with me. So happy to see you guys again. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And a quick side note, I just have to shout out uh, an OG Shelly. I need to find this really quickly. Speaking of the shirts, because I posted obviously content from Coachella and my girlfriend, Natalie, that was there gets a text from somebody and it's like, wait, is that Michelle Smallman? Because I am an OG Shelly. I even have the shirt in the closet. So let me get his name really quick because I want to shout him out. But how funny is that? That even at Coachella, Shelly's are out there in the wild. I mean, Saruta, you can testify to this. I feel like Coachella is the exact place where a Shelly would wind up, right? Because <laughs> they're just following the mothership. They are, but they're also, listen, the Shelly's are in the big cities. They're in the rural countryside. Like they don't, they're, they're just all across the great nation. So like, it's not surprising to me they'd be at Coachella. It's also not surprising to me that they would be at like a Taylor Swift concert or they would just be hanging out on a lake, having some beers, you know, on a boat somewhere. So uh, honestly, you speak the universal language of comfortable merch too, because I will <laughs> always say my Shelly shirt is one of the softest long sleeve mm-hmm. t-shirts that I own. And so comfort like music, a language that everybody understands and speaks. Correct. Well, I love that. Well, his name is Dan Pearson. He says he's a day one Shelly. He even bought the merch. He's from Rochester, New York. So shout out to Dan. Thank you for writing with us for this long. We love you. We appreciate you. Love that. Okay. Well, speaking of love and appreciation, Frank Ocean does not love and appreciate anyone, especially his fans. Okay. Mm -hmm. And as I was walking 
out of what some may deem a concert. I do not. It was more of a listening party slash shit show. It was silent, guys. Like as we were leaving, 100,000 people there. By the time the set was halfway over, at least half were gone. By the time the concert was over, we're talking under 10,000 maybe walking out. Okay. Yeah, it was that bad. And as we're walking out, it was dead silence from everybody because we were just in awe of what had just transpired. We wait six, seven years for this guy to perform. And this is what he gives us. Even the security guard, as we were leaving, says, have a great night. Get home, Steve. Stay hydrated. Sorry about Frank. Okay. Even That's how we're, we're leaving. So we're walking home in silence. And I turned to my one friend out of 17 that weathered the storm with me. And I said, you know what? I can only think about Taylor Swift and the Swifties because Taylor would have never done this to her fans. Okay. And I don't know why in that moment I thought of Taylor Swift, but I went back to my house and I half drunk rage wrote an apology note to the Swifties on my phone. And instead of posting it, like most people do on social media, I thought we would bring on the biggest Swiftie we know and Mike Golick Jr. And you could be the proxy for all of the Swifties. So do you accept <laughs> this this position that we've given you i i am honored to accept this position on behalf of taylor nation i will step in i am merely a vessel for her glory and for the greater good of the tribunal but in this instance i will be our outreach program for you smalls absolutely okay thank you for being the vessel for this apology and by the way i haven't edited this or reread it so it could be a hot oh! mess oh, no. even better even better <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> and there is some lyrical puns in there. I know that. So your girl had a lot of time. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> I got home at around 1.30. This was probably written around 2.30. I had to be up for a flight by seven. So let's just say I was running on a rage and adrenaline. All right. Here we go. To the Swifties. If you have listened to this podcast, it's been well documented that I am not one of you. I didn't understand the Taylor Swift phenomenon. Were the songs catchy? Sure. Did they have universal themes? Absolutely. But the whole operation felt very contrived and I could never fully get on board. After watching her document documentary, Miss Americana, I understood it a little more. She was part of a well-oiled machine, but she'd been desperate to break out. She was fighting against the machine and the people that entrusted her career and her success. She wanted to speak out at a very charged time politically, and right. that I respect. Also in this documentary, I learned just what a brilliant musical mind she has as we watched her build songs from scratch. Again, respect. Frank also has these qualities. He is a brilliant musical mind. I see the parallels here. But again, back to Taylor, I still didn't get the hysteria. I couldn't imagine spending my entire life savings to see this person in concert or dissecting every bit of her life. I didn't get you. Flash forward to today. Although I am not as obsessed with Frank Ocean as most Swifties are with Taylor Swift, I did love him deeply. He hadn't performed live in many years, and it was something I wanted to see. It was actually number one on my bucket list for these own ears to hear him sing live. As fate would have it, as I was spending a lot of money to hear Frank Ocean sing, Taylor Swift also embarking on a massive world tour, right as Frank was making his return to the stage. Well, guess what? One of these artists showed up. One of these artists gave the fans what they deserve, which is a show worthy of the price of admission. After I watched what can only be described as a train wreck that was a Frank Ocean concert, 
and air quotes for those of you listening, that I paid an arm and a leg to go to like a fool, I was left heartbroken, devastated, destroyed. As I walked silently down the dusty streets of Indio, California, the Swifties of all people popped into my head. I had seen countless videos of them in recent days crying with tears of joy after leaving a Taylor Swift show. So here I am, Swifties. I come to you humbly and offer up my deepest apologies. The difference here is me. You fell in love with an artist that mutually respects their fans. You fell in love with a professional. I did not. Taylor loves hard, and she gives that back to the people who support her. I recently saw a TikTok where a gentleman said, if you aren't down with Taylor Swift, you ain't shit. Well, I am here to say I was not shit. Okay, I was not. Frank Ocean is emotional. He is elusive, and he does not give one single fuck. Why did I expect him to be any different when it came to me? When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Taylor Swift has shown us who she is, and that is someone that we can trust. Frank Ocean is not. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I set myself up to be heartbroken. You guys are the winners here, Swifties. Enjoy this apology. I understand you. I respect you. I appreciate you. The end. Wow. Wow. That, I mean, that bordered on manifesto. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah. And again, uh, in the darkness of a room at like 2.30 a.m. Pacific time. Was it rambling? Yes. Did it come from the heart? Also, yes. It definitely shows up. I will say, first and foremost, on behalf of Taylor Swift Nation, the Swifties, the entire conglomerate that is her fan base, we humbly accept your apology. Thank you. We understand that the road is different for everyone that leads them to Taylor saving light. Some of us <laughs> find that in our teenage years. Some of us, it takes us well into adulthood. But eventually, when you live enough you find yourself coming on back home. And so, Michelle, we're glad that you've made your way back home. We know you might not be staying. We know we might not be seeing you in one of the rooms in the Era's House tour that pops up on the screen there. But we appreciate your visit nonetheless and the fact that you understand that really what it's about is delivering. We are all sporting people. We all live through, you know, a, especially now in the NBA, load management, all these different things that pop up. Yes. There's got to be an appreciation for an artist that every single night is going to show up and give everyone what they ordered, everyone what they asked for, and make sure they've got an experience they can tell others about. So thank you for that, Michelle. It's, uh, it, it takes a big woman to stand up in front of the congregation and admit when she was wrong. Absolutely. And as you know, Mike, one of the biggest tenets of a Shelly is self-awareness. Steve says it all the time. You have got to have self-awareness as a person. And I am just apparently an emotional masochist. I like to hurt myself and I don't know why, but Taylor is going to show up and give you her all, whether it's with the album or the, the concert or the whatever it is. She's going to give you everything she has because apparently I am attracted to guys who hate me. I don't know. You got a bad boy thing. Is this, is this just about Frank Ocean or what? what yeah. <laughs> I don't know because, well, you know, you know what Let's I'm thinking, this. guys, you know what I'm thinking, guys, is I left Kanye too. Yeah. Uh, I think Kanye is a little bit different though, because I think Frank, again, I could have this totally wrong, but he seems like he just showed up and didn't give a shit, as you mentioned about his own fans, which is a bummer. Kanye, I feel like he sometimes his head's in the right place, but I think he just doesn't have it all figured out together. Sometimes he thinks he's too smart for his own good, I think. Whereas it just seems like Frank laid an egg. I read an article and I, again, I don't, I don't know the entire background of all this stuff, but I saw somebody say 
Frank Ocean's polarizing performance at Coachella. I'm like, polarizing? Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's just bad. Like, it was just terrible. I wasn't even awesome. there, and I could tell you. And I'm not, I'm not a Frank guy. Like, Michelle, you've talked about, I mean, I like, I know a couple of his songs. I like him. I think he's talented. It's one of those people that you know he's really good, but I just haven't really taken the deep dive into it yet. But one thing, Mike, that I've tried to do over the years on Small Talk is try to convince Michelle that she has the wrong impression of who Taylor is. Because yep. You mentioned like, all this stuff being contrived. I guess I understand that from the, if you really don't listen to her music and you're not really like in the Taylor bubble and you're just like, oh, she's just making songs and breaking up with people and dating people because it's good for her celebrity and it's good for her career, which I understand that. And that may be true, but I don't think that's the reason that she does all this stuff. I genuinely think she believes in love and that she cares about what her life is like and what her perception is to other people. And yeah, she made some mistakes. I'm sure she would admit she has. But I think genuinely she is a person who gives a shit about people who care about her. And I'm not saying that Frank doesn't. This could have been an isolated incident. But it's, it's everything you said, Michelle. She cares about what her shows are. It's kind of like Beyonce is the same way, too. When you go to a Beyonce show, like, yes. I, I, I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan in the world. But I, at least I can 100% admit that, like, she gives a shit and puts on an absolute show and performance for the people that love her and spend a shit ton of money to go watch her. It's the same thing. People at Dave, you know, I don't like Dave Matthews fan, but people <laughs> love Dave Matthews, right? And they go That's to all right. his concerts because he puts on good shows because he gives a shit. And uh, I think Taylor is probably in like, th that's probably the three, the top three. I don't know if you guys have any other examples, but like those people, people like you love just have fish. to respect. So there are good, Rosillo just had a fish concert. Like, I was just going to say. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the fish again, heads are fish really guy. dedicated. I'm a John, I'm a big John Mayer fan. Like you can call me a loser. It is what it is. But again, he gives a shit. He does a solo tour for three hours with him and a guitar on stage. And he's super Impressive. vulnerable. That's those are the people that have lasting impacts. And I know it was what was it? It was uh, it was folklore. It was folklore that got you on the Taylor Swift family. Yes. You and I were texting. It was when I was. I remember I was driving back from the Cape and I was listening to the album, and you officially were on the Taylor Swift bandwagon. I'm like, welcome. This is what it's like. Like not all the music is like this, but this is what it's like to like love her and understand that like these songs have incredible meaning. So I'm happy that you've taken another step in that direction. Doesn't mean you can't listen to Frank anymore. So like you still love Frank, but the relationship is different. Yeah. I think, Sarudi, you hit on it. The thing with Frank and Michelle, this is in your apology, is you've got to have your expectations in the right place. Like, I love Frank Ocean. Like, I'm not as big a fan as you, Smalls, but love Frank Ocean. Every time something with his name comes out, I'm instantly sprinting to see what's going on there. The guy is a genius, but... I cannot put expectations on him to deliver on something for me, right? I can't expect that I'm going to get new music anytime soon. I just have to sort of be happy when it happens. He's kind of like an enigmatic wide receiver where he's been rewarded for behavior because of his talent for so long that I can't expect him to act differently when it comes to his relation with everybody else versus, you know, like John, John Mayer's a great comp in this conversation because equal parts beats to his own drum, musical genius, incredibly talented guitar player, but is a guy that's going to show up and deliver for that every night, whether it's John Mayer trio stuff, whether it's his stuff with the dead, whether it's the solo stuff. He's always also been that consistent through line. So you just got to find somebody who's going to do the work for you. And again, doesn't make Frank Ocean necessarily a bad guy, just makes him one that I'm not going to give emotional capital to because I know how this ends. Can I ask you guys a question as someone who is not in the Frank Ocean bubble? What yes. is this is like a pattern of behavior? Is he just kind of you mentioned like the wide receiver thing is interesting. Like there has there been a pattern of him no not no showing, but just kind of being an asshole. So he just does his own thing. And that's part of why I love him. What does that, that mean though? Like he, so like for example, when I'm going to paraphrase this, but one of the things that everybody loves about Frank is that he gave the middle finger to the music industry. When he was making Blonde, he essentially 
didn't want it to go out through the music label. And so he came up with this idea called Endless, where he did this live stream that essentially fulfilled his contract. And then the next day dropped Blonde on his own. And he doesn't perform ever. He doesn't care about being famous. He doesn't care about um, having a number one hit. It's all about the art and the the creation of the, pro I don't want to call it a product because that make it, makes it sound like a business for him, but the creation of the art to him. And I think that that's what a lot of people respect out of him. But again, if he didn't fulfill his contract with the music label, why did I think that the contract for Coachella would be any different? It's me. Yeah, I'm that the sucks. problem. That sucks because there's a different, like he should understand there's a different relationship between that his label and his fans. It's one thing if you want to not, you know, support the people that you could argue are taking advantage of your creativity and your artistic ability. It's another thing to take advantage and let down the people who are, are the reason you're here in the first place. Yeah, that's a hurt people, hurt people kind of situation <laughs> there, right? Where you're just sort of passing that pain along to the next group there. Well, I absorbed it, guys, big time. It's been a, a one full calendar week, and I'm still fuming. It's a personal attack, as far you, as I'm concerned. You saw Taylor recently, right? You went yeah, to the, I, the, the I saw her in Vegas, yeah. I will be seeing her uh, in, at Gillette in about a month. What, oh, any, boy. like, tips? What do I need to know? I heard there's, like, a certain... My wife, Maddie, is... She's looking for outfits. You're supposed to dress a certain way when you're there. What do I need to wear as a dude? Um, yeah, so honestly, you can do whatever you want. I, I told this story um, a while back, but I showed up there because I didn't have the outfit plan. There are some people at this concert who have been planning their outfits for years. They're based on inside jokes, Taylor Swift lyrics, inside jokes from past concerts, all these things. And the rumor I heard was that Taylor's mom actually walks the crowd before the show. And if she sees outfits she likes, she'll bring people back to meet Taylor based oh. on those outfits. So I think that's part of the reason that people put a lot of stock into that. But I just wore flannel and some like Lulu stuff. And I joked that it was, you know, my folklore evermore era. <laughs> it actually earned me a couple of friendship bracelets. I was coming down the elevator at the Delano getting ready to walk across the street. And these three girls walk in sequin blazers, clearly going to the show. I make a comment about how I feel underdressed. Now they're a little bit surprised. I'm going to the concert because I look like me. And <laughs> After I make the underdressed joke, one of them goes down to their wrist and takes off the friendship bracelets. Michelle, uh, it's, since you're not as deep in the Swifty weeds, um, the track five on uh, her latest album, Midnight's, is called You're On Your Own Kid. And one of the lyrics is, so make the friendship bracelets, take this moment and taste it. And so people on this tour have taken to making friendship bracelets that they trade out at the concert. So I got one uh, on the way in there that had um, you need to calm down on there, which probably I, I needed to hear at that point based on the excitement <laughs> level. So Saruti, I would say dress comfortably, dress how you want. Make sure you've got comfortable shoes because it's yep. a lot of standing and moving around. Time your bathroom breaks. Like whatever you're going to do as far as pre-gaming this thing or when you get there, make sure you've got a hard cap about, I'd say 30 minutes before showtime and go and get one last good pee. You're going to struggle as a guy to find a bathroom. The area I was in, they had converted them all to mm -hmm. women's bathrooms, which I totally get based Smart. on the demographic Smart. breakdown of the concert. Smart numbers business. are numbers, yep. Yeah, we're not going to argue math. <laughs> but get that bathroom break in because again, it is all of three hours and 15 minutes plus. It is everything that you've heard. It is a marathon. And so you don't want to be having to make choices about which part of the catalog you want to potentially miss because you had to go to the bathroom. I made it three hours and 15 minutes without peeing once during the show. It's one of my proudest accomplishments. Wow, wow Mike, that's impressive.
Yeah. So it's, 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 but it's a big part of it. So Saruti, that's what I'd say. Comfortable footwear, make sure you get your bathroom breaks in. And I don't know where you are. Have you like tried to avoid spoilers of the show? Have you been paying attention to the set list? Where have you been? I, I've seen some things on Instagram, um, but nothing that I think would ruin any of the surprise. I've honestly, what's weird is I've, I've seen a lot of posts about fuck ups in the show like it's been a little bit wonky here and there and not this isn't any like disrespect or diss to her but like I think it's a, a large undertaking and there have been some issues I've seen more of that than I have the actual spoilers but I've seen all these people in these t-shirts and like I said my wife and all the people I'm the only guy going by the way which whatever it is what it is <laughs> in the group it, no, it's part of the course it's fine I'll enjoy myself I'll, I'll sit on the end and I'll just enjoy myself uh but I, I think I pretty much avoided most of like whatever the spoilers would be so I should be going in pretty blind so you'll also want to pay attention. One of her backup dancers, I don't know if you've seen anything about this guy. His name's Cameron Saunders. His brother, Kalen Saunders, uh, was D-tackle for the Chiefs, is now with the New Orleans Saints. Cam's his older brother. And similar build, like bigger guy out there, dynamic mover, big part of the show. My brother who came along wasn't a Swifty, came to the concert with us. His wife, my sister-in-law was there. He was there for the vibes. Left a Taylor Swift fan in large part because he saw this guy and the feats of acrobatics and was so impressed and so enamored. He was the one that told me this little secret about him being related to an NFL player type thing. And so imagine that we spend so much time celebrating the Kelsey brothers Super Bowl, and you have got one player that was a part of a Super Bowl team and another guy who has now reached the heights of backup dancer stardom going on the Taylor Swift eras tour. That's an incredible family. Yeah, no offense to you and the Golic family. Obviously, you have a lot of athletic endeavors, but one of you needed to be a backup dancer or at least like some sort of performer. Like that's the more impressive feat here. It's unbelievable, incredibly smooth. So yeah, I was very jealous of uh, his ability there, but yeah, no, just take it all in, man. It's a blast. I, I've said to everyone, there's all like to Michelle's point about a dedication to the fans and the product. There's always something going on. Like there's always somewhere for your eyes to be always something for you to hear. It's an incredibly thoughtful, intentional show. You'll love it. My wife, Maddie, and I always joke that the most magical thing we've ever seen is uh, Coldplay at MetLife when everyone's got like um, wristbands on. So and it was good. like, it was legitimately fantastic. And this is, I feel like the opportunity, this might be the thing that tops it. So I, I don't, my expectations are already too high, but uh, I don't think there's any way I'm not going to be pumped about what happens there. No, you're going to love it. I can't wait. Okay, two quick comments before we move on. Number one, back to the friendship bracelets. What an outstanding community of Swifties. You know what I'm saying? You make the bracelets just to give out to strangers at the show. This is what I need. I need a community of people that uplifts and supports me. Just like you, Mike. Again, another reason why I need to get on the train. And number two, Steve, I think you could wear what you're wearing right now and go as the Taylor Swift Rhode Island summer in era. <laughs> yeah. <I don't>. <laughs> for, so for, for those that are not watching, uh, Michelle was making fun of my outfit before we got on. It is very like I summer at Cape Cod. We get it, dude. Uh, vibe. And it is. I probably got this at Cape Cod, but it's the perfect thickness of sweatshirt. It's like in the Northeast here, you know, this goal. It's spring. So it's kind of warm, but it's still a little bit cold. Like I'm recording in our basement right now. It's a little chilly down here. So this is, I'm not trying to look like I summer and I'm like this obnoxious snobby dude. It's just, it is what it is. It's, it's a nice sweatshirt. Again, is. that's the beauty of the Eras Tour is you can pretty much wear whatever you want and tie it back to a different point in time. So you're great with this. Comfort, Good. like I said, comfort's the mode. That's what we want. Good. And she has a house in Rhode Island, so we'll, we'll fit that's right in. Saying. There you go. That's what I'm saying. Okay, any other questions about Frank? After this, I will be taking no further questions. So any more questions from you guys before we move on? 
what would it take for you to go and see another Frank show? If one, if one came up, like you said, doesn't perform off and doesn't do this and was available for you to go to, what would it take for you to dive back in at this point and give him another chance? It would have to be free. I am never giving that man one wow. more dime of my money. Frankly, I want a refund. Like if there is a class action lawsuit against this man, I'm hopping ah! on board. You owe me some money, okay? I did not pay all this money to watch you lip sync in house slippers into a camera, okay? So if it was free and maybe if he issued a, a public apology, but I'm done. I will always appreciate the music. I will never discount who he is as an artist, but I am not going to set myself up for failure again. We'll put it that way. I'm not even paying for parking. I'm not paying Wait. for a bottle of water at the concert. Like he is not getting one more penny of my hard earned money. Did he get in any trouble with Coachella? The Like, is he having to pay money back or is he being sued? Or because I saw, what was it? Blink-182, I think. Pro, I think Didn't they take yeah. over his headline weekend too? Which honestly, like no disrespect. I'd much rather see Blink-182. than. No, I saw, them. I saw them. I saw them. They were okay. They were okay. Okay. Interesting. Wow. I feel like they'd be fantastic. They were good. Um, they were good. Yeah, I, they I were not in my top 10, even of people I saw at Coachella. They were good, but you know. Oh, that's all right. Good question. Give us your top three then. Uh, from Coachella that I yeah. saw. Yeah. Number one, without a doubt, and this is not my St. Louis bias, was Metro Boomin. Metro oh, Boomin bring it. Okay. He brought out John Legend to open, Don Tolliver. He had Future. He had 21 Savage. He had The Weeknd, and he closed with Puff Daddy. Wait, okay. all those people came out? Yes, because he's a producer. Yes, he well, just came out with his own album, but everybody showed up for him and rode hard for, for Metro Boomin. It was unreal. See, I feel like that's an advantage of bringing these more producer types. Like I saw a pretty bad DJ Khaled performance at the Super Bowl <laughs> where none of this happened and he was very rushed and it went the other way where you realize, oh man, this guy on his own, not really a huge draw, but- Metro Boomin, that's incredible because you do get the ensemble cast. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a, a minimal talking other than like shout out to everybody for the support. And it was all hits. It was like hit after hit after hit. It was amazing. So he was definitely number one. Yeah, I mean, superheroes, I bet that song, oh. like, I'll run through oh. the fucking wall. To when that, that song. beat dropped, uh, imagine like 50,000 people at the same time. It was so sick. So Metro Boomin was number one. Kate Trinata was number two. I love Kate Trinata. His set was outrageous. It was so good. He brought out Amine and I forget who else, but just, it was, the, it was so perfect. It was so good. And number three, I'll go with a lesser known band, but one that I really love. I actually went to see them by myself was Cannons. You know, Cannons that song Fire For You. Exactly. I'll send it to you, Mike. They they were really good. I really enjoyed them. Um, the headliners, Bad Bunny, Blackpink, like shout out to them. I don't speak either language, so it wasn't really my jam, but they had good shows. Uh, oh, oh my God. I can't even believe I forgot this. We're going to bump Cannons out. We're going to <laughs> move Katrinata totally. down to number three. Sorry, Cannons, honorable mention. I totally forgot Rosalia. Rosalia stole the show. The vocals on that woman, the stage presence, uh, again, I don't even speak Spanish. I'm obsessed with her. She is a superstar. I loved Rosalia. I always do appreciate a live performance that elevates your opinion. Like this is the total opposite of the Frank Ocean conundrum, but when it goes the other way where you kind of like someone and then you see them live and all of a sudden it just unlocks a new level in their music for you. It's great. Yeah, it was that awesome. That was uh, Chris Stapleton for me. Chris Stapleton uh, saw him live. Oh. I was like, this dude, I was like, this dude, I mean, 
I already like most of your songs, but now it's in the heavy rotation. So Rudy, did he do the, like, for, when he does the intro for everyone in the band, did he do, like, the extended love letter to his wife uh, that he introduces yeah. in there he that just, makes every wife that. look at their husband and be like, why don't you talk about me like yeah, that? He totally. just seems like an incredibly genuine dude. And the thing about him is that, and I didn't mean to turn this into a Chris Ableton conversation, but he's written so many songs you didn't even know he wrote for other people. I didn't even realize that. So, like, give, take a deep dive into, like, songs that Chris Ableton has written that he doesn't, that you don't necessarily know. It's pretty wild. Okay, are we closing questions? Is the media session of this podcast done? One quick one for Gola Jr. What's your favorite Taylor Swift album? Uh, great question. I would probably say... So I have a soft spot for Red. Like, I think objectively 1989 is the best Taylor Swift album. Like, it has the most hits. That's where I think she really started to peak. But Red was my, like, first Taylor Swift full album that I ever really fell for. Because it came out my fifth year, senior year, like 2012 at Notre Dame. So 22 was blasting at the bars. Everyone was feeling good. But then <laughs> I started to turn the page to the rest of the album. Uh, when I was getting ready for my pro day, I was out training at this place in Arizona. <laughs> and every morning on the way to the first morning session, we'd go over there for like 6 a.m. lift. And then, you know, the second one in the afternoon and driving over early in the morning in a pickup truck in Scottsdale, I was blasting I Knew You Were Trouble every morning, that filthy little guitar riff, getting me ready to go move some weight and try and learn how to run a better 40, which didn't work, but that wasn't <laughs> Taylor's fault. So I would say Red just for that one. Obviously, All Too Well, the re-release, the 10-minute All Too Well, like there's so many things that are canon in the Taylor Swift universe from that album. And she took chances, right? She went and changed the sound and did all that. Like it's a it's a groundbreaking album in her catalog. So I'd probably say that one. That's a good choice. My issue with Reddit, I've, I've been on record with this though, is that I am Team Joan Hall. So uh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm a big I'm a big Joan yeah. Hall guy. I, I will look. not jump off the Joan Hall train. There are I dozens love, of you. <laughs> I love Jake Joan Hall. I think <laughs> listen, there two, his parents. listen, there are two sides of every story. I'll just help you with that. But I think. Uh, <laughs> I can love both of them. I think our guy Jake gets a little too much shit. Okay, it was a bad breakup. Everybody has a bad breakup. We don't have to villainize Jake. He's a good dude. He really does. I, I can't imagine what it's like waking up every time Taylor re-releases or like brings a new album out. He's got to just be worried that somehow he's going to catch yeah. another stray. Yeah, he just wakes up and all of a sudden Twitter is blowing up. He's like, great, my, she, she, Taylor released another song about me again. The only reason I say that is because this, the, the background story of this is Jake was promoting a movie back in the ESPN days. Actually, he was, he was, it was the day I was uh, producing Mike and Mike. So shout out to your dad. I don't remember if your dad was on the show that day though. And Jake comes, it was that Southpaw movie. He was a boxer. So he was like super ripped. Yeah. Comes solo, no entourage, no nothing. It was like just one talent producer from ESPN. Chatted me up for like 15 minutes. Was the most genuine dude I've ever met in my entire life. Like he could have, he could have not given two shits about me. Been like, I don't give a fuck. We're talking about man buns. We're talking about hair products, like different oh, things. Man. Could not have been a nicer guy. So again, it's going to take a lot more than one song to uh, get me off Team Jalen Hall. You know, that's a fair point. Listen, I, as someone who publicly admitted to going to a John Mayer concert in the same podcast where I'm lauding Taylor Swift, I also know what it's like to live okay. across enemy lines. So by the way, it just makes me remember long-haired Saruti. Man, what a time that was. It really yeah, my, was an era. My John Snow face. Yeah, good times. I love it. Shout <laughs> out. Okay, well, um, we have one more thing to do. Mike is a very busy man. He has his own podcast, I'm sure, to be taping here shortly. But my love for Frank was blind, okay? I just loved him blindly. I really did. Which leads us to the show, Love is Blind. I have only watched season one. I know that the latest season, I believe it's season four, right, Mike? Season four season has four. gotten everybody talking. People are very invested in this show. 
I need to catch up on it. But Saruti, I know you had a question for, I guess we can call him our love is blind insider here on Small Talk, Michael Jr. It's just less of a question, more of an observation. And it's probably kind of mean. But I, so I only watched season one and I enjoyed it. Uh, I just don't know that I needed, I, I don't know that I wanted more content. I was like, all right, that was good. One season was enough for me. I'm happy. My wife watches it. She's been watching the most recent season, the reunion thing, which you were at, by the way, right? You and me and Kimes were at like the re was that the one that all the shit went down too? Like, yeah, there was, like, it was like Netflix or something. Yeah, we were at the reunion watch party. So it was weird. We were watching on screen the live reunion that was taking place with a live audience, apparently a couple of miles from us in LA. But yeah, they had an hour and a half delay, a whole bunch of issues. It was chaotic scene. Watch a bunch of reality stars get drunk in the process. It was awesome. That's pretty Fun. sick. Yeah. So my theory is, again, not even a theory, more of an observation. I'm not a big, like, I don't watch The Bachelor. I don't watch The Bachelor. I don't watch most of these shows. I'll check in and out. I usually know what's going on. I work at The Ringer. So, like, we do a lot of, you know, there's yeah. a lot of things that are happening with The Ringer dish feed and all that stuff, Ringer reality. Um, and I can't help, whenever I watch or see Love is Blind, like, when you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, we're talking, like, hot people, like, tens, people with significant jobs, or at least they fake having a significant job, right? It's like, you know, they make something up, and you're like, wait, this guy was, like, a former professional athlete, but he, like, didn't actually play the pros. Like, Rosillo gets all hung up on that stuff. But either way, they're some mostly successful people who are, you know, eights, nines, and tens. When I watch Love is Blind, I can't help but think it's, like, the Costco Kirkland brand people of a reality show. There's just something a little off about everybody. They're either not super successful or they're like a little bit strange looking there's just there's just something off like it does the job it's entertaining but it's i think love is blind it has like the kirkland brand version of reality tv stars yeah you know what i would say that's fair and i think you got to look at the format of the show that we give to that right if you were someone who was in that bachelor bachelorette range of incredibly attractive person you wouldn't want to go on a show where all of a sudden you're going to hide what you believe are probably some of your best features Correct. That's a good, that is a good point. And so then Michelle and I were talking about this before because she was like, oh, but you know, it is about looks or it isn't about looks. The show is not about looks, but I would argue that like, all right. And you've watched the multiple seasons of this at the end of the day, like you fall in love with somebody behind, you know, the blind curtains or whatever. And then you see them. It ultimately is about the looks though. Right. Like at the end of the oh. day, like if you're not attracted to this person, like it, all that stuff in the booth when you didn't see each other, that's all, that's all well and fine. And I don't even think that's a bad thing. Like you have to be attracted physically to somebody. It's it's okay to say that. And uh, so I actually, I, like Michelle, we were talking about before, like at the end of the day, like when you see them, that's really the, the telltale moment of whether or not you think this thing can really work or not. And I would argue this last season. So the big bad in this last season, the, the chief villain was a woman named Irina who was a mean girl inside the pods, her and this other woman named Micah when they were in. So they have the men and women separated. They all see each other on their side. And there's the drama that goes on. Everyone's unpacking the baggage from their dates in there. And these two were very mean to a lot of the other women that were on the show. Did a lot what of things doing? that were, um, you know, like laugh, like laughing and trying to eavesdrop on conversation where women are kind of pouring their hearts out or having emotional response to what's gone on in the pods, the way they dealt with some of the relationships with guys inside the pods, like all of it just really left everyone with a bad taste in their mouth. And then Irina, to your point about looks, you could see it. So she ends up matching with this guy named Zach, who's a lawyer, who's very quirky personality-wise. He's got a very prominently displayed painting in his kitchen of two owls with a samurai sword. It's some weird stuff. Wow. And they Choice. get to the reveal. So once you propose inside the pods, 
then you have this big dramatic reveal where they open up these two doors in a hallway and you see each other for the first time. And you saw right then and there, the light leave Irina's eyes when she walked out of there and saw Zach in person. And she made a couple of comments about, you know, oh, you look so much different than I imagined. And it was not in a good way. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, so Rudy, that happens all the time because then you get people meeting up. So they bring everyone together and have them all stay in like Mexico was this season or some other location. And you get them together at these pool parties and cocktail hours. And that's where the fun happens because now the other person you were talking to in the pods does look exactly how you were hoping they would look. And you absolutely see that back. So it, play, it plays in, which is to me, the magic of the show is you get that moment beyond just the initial reveal that comes like night one in the bachelor bachelorette. And you know what? I say all this to say that, what was it? Was it Barnett? And uh, who was the season one Barnett and somebody else? They were the most volatile people. And I think they're still together. So good for them. I think what was the, I forget what. The... Um, no, it wasn't because Barnett was uh, uh, Bart or it might've been Barnett. I was thinking Bartiz from last season. No, season one, season one, it's Barnett. It was like, the, and this oh, other chick who was the like brown hair girl. Yeah. yeah. She was, they were both insane, but I think they were the ones that actually lasted. Amber. So it's like, this is actually awesome. Amber. That's right. Amber yeah. Barnett. Because uh, then there was like Jessica was looming in the background too. She was oh, kind of crazy Jessica, without a short guy. Mark. Mike, Mike. Oh, Mark, Mark, Mark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, shouts out to Amber and Barnett because that was, again, I was like, this is, there's no way this is going to work. And by all accounts, I think they're still together. So good for them. Yeah. Three couples from this last season made Because once we got to the reunion, it was a year later. So it's a year after they stopped filming. So they got three couples still together from this season. Right. We'll see. I love it. It's a love story, baby. Just say yes. See, <laughs> I'm already invoking Taylor Swift lyrics. Uh, well, Mike, we know that you're busy. Thank you for taking the time to do this. All of the Shelleys, as we shouted out a Shelly earlier, please rally around Michael Jr. Download his podcast. You'll love it. Go Joe with Michael Jr. on DraftKings. You can get on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your your favorite podcast. And Golik, anything else that you would like to promote while you're here? Um, no, just, you know, glad to be back with my friends. It's, uh, it's, you know, the weird, weird thing in life where everyone goes off and is doing big, great things. And usually as someone joked, this is more for adult male friendships, but, uh, Michelle, you definitely fall into this sometimes too, where our best opportunity to catch up is all on a podcast somewhere. (laughs) So it's fun coming back and getting to hang out with you guys. I appreciate it. Steve, should we wrap this up with a reveal? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. This one comes from lot VSV five stars. It says best pod truly couldn't be more entertaining. Five stars. Thank you. Lot VSV for thinking our pod is entertaining. I I think after this past week, I could use some entertainment. So I appreciate the compliment and I'm glad that we could entertain you. We needed some positive news. We at least are more entertaining than than Frank Ocean was at Coachella. So shouts out to us, uh, which the bar is low. So listen, we'll take a win whenever we can take it, but thank you for the review. That's awesome. And the vocals were there, like I said, on point. The few songs he sang, on point. This isn't like on par, but because I don't actually love them, like I like them. But I, the worst concert I've ever seen, I saw Counting Crows uh, in Room 5. I just went because I was like, whatever, it's in Hartford, I'll go, who cares? I don't really love either band, but we'll go. I, I actually do like Counting Crows, I shouldn't say that, but they're not a tier one or two even for me. They're, they're just like a band that they come on, I like them. And... uh there, when I saw them, they, I mean, they were so freaking bad. Like the, the lead singer was changing the words to all the songs, all the main ones that people want to sing along with. He's changing the words. It's like, and it's not even like remixing because it's not, it's rock artists. He's like a rock pop guy. Like it's not, he's not remixing songs. And I don't know if he was, you know, if it was like a, maybe he got had a little too much to drink or this, this and that, but he was like slurring his words and just wasn't really that present. And it was so bad and people were kind of booing him and it was like actually kind of awkward. And that was at a small show in Hartford, let alone like Coachella. So I, you know, I was like disappointed and mad about that. I can only imagine like how disappointed the P1s, as they say, like you and other Frank Ocean fans were. 
thank you to Michael Jr. for coming on as our Taylor Swift representative mm-hmm. and our Love is Blind insider and accepting my apology to the Swifties. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Steve as always. But until next time, Frank, I want a refund. And still, Team Joe Hall. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.